following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember renting movies from a local video store? The perfect video store. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Is popping up all over the country. Do you remember owning membership cards, dealing with late fees, and driving to several stores for the latest release? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Then sit back and listen to the stories of the men and women who were on the front lines of video stores in their heyday. Friendly people, fast computerized checkout, free membership, and all our rentals are for three days, two nights. This is Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. Let's meet today's video hero and hear their story. Andy Serwin, The Video Hut, Bushkill, Pennsylvania, 1989 to 1990. All right, so Andy, this is going to be exciting uh, as we get into your years at a video rental store this is something where you and i have talked in the past on the wizard files about your experience working at wizard magazine which was a, a hub of pop culture and excitement for a lot of people but also a hub of excitement and entertainment was the video rental store so let's talk about this what is your earliest memory of being inside any video rental store oh my gosh oh wow um so when I moved to Pennsylvania in 1980, at the age of eight, uh, we moved into the middle of nowhere into a little town called Marshall's Creek. And we couldn't even get cable into our development area for about 20 years late until 20 years later. So the, the only form of entertainment we had was whatever TV we could get on the aerial or whatever videos we could get from the local place. And strangely enough, even back then, there was a little counter place around, you know, down 15 minutes down the, a country road in a little strip mall. And I could not tell you what the name of the place was, but I remember going in there, holding hands with my mom and looking up at whatever video cassettes they had in there. And it was like maybe 10 or 12. It might have been someone's just pirated video. Who knows? Like whatever. <laughs> but I remember going in there and we I think we got like Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas and we watched it around the holidays. And that was probably one of the first things I remember about like, oh, there's a place we can go to actually watch movies. That's not the movie theater. We watch it at home on this device now. And Adam, forgive me, I'm probably mixing up all my timelines here. Even saying that out loud, 1980, there probably wasn't even VCR tapes. You that, that might, I might be making that up. No, I no, you're, you're right. I mean, that, that's Adam. about the time when the video rental market was starting to come into its own. Because like surprisingly, it was like late 70s that the technology could be had in your home, but it was super expensive. And then, yeah, by 1980 and early 80s is when that started, you know, becoming slightly more affordable. But do you remember, did you guys own a VCR or did you rent one from the video store? I very distinctly remember renting the first couple times. And I remember, you know, like my parents would have to put up a credit card receipt or whatever it was. And back then it was like a carbon copy that they would just like swipe and then hold on to it. Like, I'm sure, you know, hey, that's awesome. But I remember very distinctly like order, you know, the first couple of times we went, we were testing it out to make sure it was something we would want to do. And, you know, my gosh, you know, my parents were technophobes even back then. I think my sister and I must have probably helped them hook it up 
<laughs> with the directions and everything. So yeah, definitely remember uh, renting that the first couple times is kind of a trial run before we invested in it. Yeah, and I'm sure this is a, a was a regular stop for you over the years of getting into your teenage years. So was there a particular genre or was there a particular movie that you remember renting over and over again or specifically just like asking for like, I got to get this movie when it comes out? Yeah, I, you know, started around the age of probably between age of 10 and 12, I started gravitating a lot more towards horror movies. Uh, I'm one of the first films I ever went to in the movie theater was John Carpenter's The Fog. I must have been, I was eight or nine years old. My aunt took us and I'm sure she didn't know it was a rated R horror film where a kid my age gets stalked by killer leper pirates or whatever. So, (laughs) uh, you know, like, so that kind of like started it. I remember, you know, like a lot of John Carpenter's movies we were getting over and over again. We were watching Halloween. We were watching The Fog. I went backwards and and discovered um, Assault on Precinct 13. And, you know, that became kind of like a thing we watched over and over again because it was just so nihilistic and insane how crazy that movie was. And then, of course, a little later in the 80s when Big Trouble in Little China got big, you know, that was one later on that was on constant. You know, I think we ended up buying copies of that to just have it around. So John Carpenter was definitely an early video store kind of got and you know i know like he's fallen out of favor now but i will also say when i got into my uh movie snob phase i was watching a lot of woody allen's early movies it was all about you know trying to watch bananas and manhattan and annie hall and all that stuff and kind of got me on the road to being more of a movie snob at some point later on and trying to treat movies a little more highbrow i think that's wild john carpenter to woody allen that is a journey (laughs) An interesting kind of mix to kind of gravity to, to be to fall in the middle of. So so then as you are then your your taste in movies is growing, you're getting again, like you say, a self-professed movie snob. So how did you come then to work in a video rental store? So the video hut was owned by uh, one of my best friends uh, in uh, junior high school. A friend of mine, I, I won't name drop her here because she'll hate that. She doesn't want to be a public figure at all. But a friend of mine, we were be- best friends from seventh grade on. Her dad owned the place. As soon as I was able to drive and could, you know, I got my license and could start going places, her dad reached out to me and asked me if I would be interested in working at the video hut because he knew I was a movie buff. So it was great. You know, I mean, at the time he was paying me five bucks an hour under the table. So, you know, we were off the books. Um, hey, if I need to close up the shop to run down and get a slice of pizza or sandwich, no problem. He always let me take the best movies home first to watch like any new release I got. I got to take it home first and watch it before we send it out to the customers. So he was awesome like that, you know, and then unfortunately he sold the business about a year later. And the summer I came home from college, it was a different lady who was kind of running the store. And, you know, she wanted to pay me four fifty an hour on the books and all this other stuff. And so, like, that was my last summer at the Video Hut after it had changed hands. But, you know, those two years and in the in-between time that I worked there, like winter break and stuff like that, you know, I was cramming as many movies in as I could. Like, I was volunteering for all day shifts because that meant I could watch more movies. You know, I didn't care if I was getting extra money. I just, oh, there's like oh, a new movie I can watch today or I can go watch an old one I've never seen before. And that's kind of like really where I started um, doing a deep dive into like, that's where I learned about directors and stuff. And like, oh, this guy's got a body of work. This person does it. And then that's how you kind of like get down the rabbit hole that way. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Now, what was the layout of the video hut? How did you have it organized in there? It was a couple hundred square feet maximum. You walk in, you walk in on a single door, right to the right is the counter. All the stock is stored behind the counter, obviously, to cut down on theft and stuff. And all the snacks and all the other add-on stuff are hidden under the uh, counter there with the register. And then you had an L-shape along the perimeter wall that was just all new releases. And then a bunch of freestanding shelves, kind of two or three of them wide down the middle of the store, which was all the genre stuff where we would put the old movies once they were no longer considered no longer new releases and then every so often we'd have a big sale because it wasn't you know there wasn't a lot of space to keep old stock so the owner would try to monetize like hey no what are we going to do with this we no one wants to rent anymore he'd sell them for three bucks five bucks ten bucks for five whatever it was and he'd clear out stock that way too and then of course you know back then we had a walk-in room where they kept all the adult content the porno movies, the triple X and all that stuff. And that was the, usually the biggest driver of revenue in the store. I mean, you know, like you'd get 10 or 12, maybe 20 regular or something like that. And they would come in and drop hundreds of dollars a month, just getting whatever new adult releases were in there from week to week and month to month. That was really like kind of the big revenue driver based on my experience. Wow. Yeah. That, that's what we have heard over the seasons <laughs> yep. of doing this show. Now, speaking of the cost there, they're dropping all this money on those films, but did you guys have like a membership fee? Do you remember what the rentals cost, like new releases about? Yeah, or? it was there, there. I remember distinctly there wasn't initially a membership fee to join, right? Like they didn't want to make you pay an extra 10 bucks just for the sake of having a card or whatever. Like the original boss was smart about that. Um, when the new owners took in, they started a membership thing. And a lot of people were like, I've been coming here for five years. Now you want to charge me 10 bucks to get this card just to type my name in the system. And so, you know, they lost a lot of business that way. And that's understandable. I remember that distinctly. It was something, prop, you know, like nominal now we would think like 10 bucks, 10 bucks to join. And that was like your membership fee for life. You never had to pay to re-up it or anything like that. The movie releases at the time, good gosh, they were probably like, you know, I want to say like two bucks, 250 somewhere in there. It wasn't cheap. You know, I mean, for adjusted dollars, I'm sure that's probably like eight or 10 bucks in, in our money now, it sounds like. And, you know, we would do combos. It was like rent to get this one for free or half off or whatever, or get a box of popcorn and stuff like that. All the plus ons, you know, Adam, the stuff that you, you take for granted now at the movie theater. But, you know, in these video stores, it was like, oh, yeah, get your milk duds, get this, get that. So yeah, and then we added a cooler at some point so you could get takeaway drinks and stuff, too. Like that was always like those kind of things are super cheap for retailers to buy. And then consumers, I think, don't don't even realize this now, how much of that stuff is just a loss leader. Just it's just add on stuff to your bill. And that, that's what we used to do. Yeah, and I was going to ask about that because, you know, some video rental stores to like, you know, drum up business would have special events like a coupon day or they'd have this and that. Do you remember anything even just like around the holidays? Would you guys run any type of special promotions or did oh, you yeah. in-store costume contests or what did you do? I mean, nothing like that. I don't think that was on anybody's radar. You know, I mean, if, if you showed up in costume at a video store at that era, they probably would call the police on you like, <laughs> right away for like cosplay. I don't think that was was on anyone's mind at that point but yeah like 
pick whatever day of the week was really slow, whether it was like Mondays or Tuesdays or whatever it was, they would usually have some kind of combo deal at the holiday time. You know, we put all the Thanksgiving movies out for the month of November and there'd be specials on those. Yeah. But we didn't have any kind of like in-store events. Those kind of promotions were not really like, I mean, they probably would have drawn traffic, but I just don't think we certainly were not there yet. You know, like not in, not in podunk Pennsylvania circa, (laughs) you know, Stranger Things era, 89, 90 or whatever it was. So, and then what would you say then as you, you know, you had your, your two years there, the various summers working, what was your favorite part of the job? And then what was your least favorite part of the job to have to deal with? I mean, just watching movies all the time. Like I would literally plan out days and weeks where I was, you know, if I was into a certain filmmaker or like, oh, you know, the new Oh, like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome came out on video or whatever it was. Let's go back and watch Road Warrior and the original Mad Max movie and have like a little mini marathon in the store or whatever. Or, you know, like when Kevin Smith was getting, I think Clerks was like, I want to say like 80. I I might be making this up too, Adam. I don't remember. I want to say like around that time, you know, people were talking about him at least as a guy who went from video store thing to what Anna Quentin Tarantino had a similar story that I think kind of became sort of legendary. So I think if you were anywhere in that era, you kind of start to lay claim of like, hey, that inspired me to some degree. And whether I'm just making that up in the fog of youth and age now, Adam, it seems that's not entirely plausible. Again, I probably got incepted watching too many movies at the video hut. But yeah, that's how I, you know, like <laughs> that was the absolute best thing was just being able to glom on all those movies. The worst thing, you know, like, you know, like the, the second time around when the, the new ownership took over, she had children, you know, she had two or three children who would just come and hang out at the store when they weren't at their house. And I think they were probably trying to get away from their mother just as much as she wanted them out of the house. But, you know, like it's kind of hard to do anything when the boss's kids are hanging out in your store all day. So now I'm just like, I'm reading my book and I'm staying busy. And, you know, now I can't watch the movies I want or whatever else. And are they reporting back to like, you know, like whatever I'm doing in here. So um, <laughs> that kind of really put a crimp in my style. And that was kind of one between all the changes she initiated and then trying to pay me uh, with taxes and all that stuff with that meager salary. I was like, no, I need to get out of here. So that's, that kind of put the uh, kibosh on the whole uh shebang at that point yeah no i'm curious did you have any like you know in any type of retail establishment you're bound to have some crazy customers did you have some strange regulars or some incidents that really stand out in your mind there there was two things in particular i remember and i i i had to dredge through the memory because i had a feeling you would ask me something like this there was one kid who used to come he was a preteen i mean adam you know it was ridiculous it was straight out of an 80s movie where this preteen kid would come up and just harass people in the store every so often. And it always seemed to coincide when I was working there. And, you know, back in my younger days, I certainly didn't have the wisdom to keep my temper or whatever. And so it was nuts almost, you know, coming to blows or yelling at a 12 year old kid who, you know, like just get out of the store. Like, you know, eventually I think we called the police one time and then it never happened again. So, you know, that was probably the better way to handle it. The worst thing that ever happened, I remember very distinctly, you know, like I, I mentioned before, like, hey, it was always cool to lock up and run down the we had, there was a pizza place and a convenience store in the same shopping center. So I would run down oftentimes to get a drink or whatever. And so I run down to the convenience store. I walk in. Uh, there's nobody at the counter. That's not uncommon. So I threw my money on the thing. I wrote a note 
I took my drink and I walked out and I, you know, I, I knew I'd see them later on in the evening or whatever. And then like later on, I, an ambulance pulls in, there's a bunch of state trooper cars pulling in. And uh, there was a robbery in progress at the convenience store. <laughs> and they, they, they had the people out in the back. And I think I must've walked in while it was in progress or while they were still in the back or something like that. And I luckily like, you know, walked out before anything spotted me or whatever it was. And like, they came, you know, the authorities came down and questioned me like, yeah, I just, I walked in like right at that time. And like, you know, they said, Hey, it was pretty lucky. You were, you just kind of missed whatever had happened. And so, you know, like I, I didn't need that kind of excitement. That was like the closest call I ever, you know, wanted to have with a uh, kind of a robbery or anything like that. Yeah. So, well, it was scary, it like you know? the, Yeah. So the pursuit of justice could not interrupt your hunger. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no way. And not for nothing, you know, like, Hey, we're talking rural Pennsylvania, Adam. So there's a lot of independent gun owners up there too. You know, it's not always, the, you know, you don't always want to walk in someplace, you know, you, you don't know who's packing what behind the counter up there. You know, I'm telling yeah. you with shotguns and I've, you know, I'm from the country up there. It's not uncommon to have a sawed off, you know, under the, uh, under the counter to, to, to discourage people like that. So, wow. Now what about obviously your friend's family owned the business? Was she working there with you or what, who were your coworkers? No, it was funny. It was, it was her dad was the main guy. He, it was, it was one of his businesses. He was one of those guys where you couldn't really nail down what it was that he did, but he did a lot of different things. So I guess he was like diversified. He ran this business. He had a couple other businesses that he had his fingers in. And so I, I don't mean anything nefarious. I just mean like an auto parts thing, you know, like a delivery thing. It was all a car wash. It was all kinds of like spread out, like, you know, like things like hustle kids tell you now that are like common to do this guy was doing it. And he just, you know, he'd worked at the video store to just kind of interact with people and have a place to go and do things. And so I was one of his main people and the, and his one daughter and uh, her sister were kind of the backups. Like if somebody didn't want to work on a weekend, they would ask the younger one to come up and hang out for a couple hours. And it was just the four or five of us. That was it. It was just a kind of a family thing and me. So it was very cool. You know, they'd have me over for dinner some nights after we closed up the shop and, and stuff like that. So it was really super cool, like a little tight family thing. Yeah, and then, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. And then when the new owners took over, it was just like business. And, you know, I would show up and like, I, I you know, I, I hated it at that point. Like, it, we just we didn't hit it off right away. And so it, we just never connected the way it was. And that was one of the reasons I'm like, hey, I got to bounce up out of here. So, yeah. Now, as you think back during your, your summers there working, was there a particular movie or a genre that you recall, aside from the adult films, which we said very popular, <laughs> but was there a certain movie that you remember like everybody kept asking for this movie or just like, was there something you noticed in that area of Pennsylvania that was like that? This is what everybody wants to see. They want because in some places it was Westerns and someplace, you know, it was sci fi. But what do you think? You know, what was it's funny, Adam, you I wouldn't have had an answer to that. But now that I think about it for a second, you know, it was like. Anything Vietnam era was very big. I mean, like, oh. especially with the kids my age, who's like, you know, my dad served in Vietnam. So, like, it was a common thing for us to talk about. Like, it was a thing in our house. We didn't talk about it a lot, but we knew dad was in the military. He served and stuff like that. I, you know, I had friends who were super into Apocalypse Now. And that was something they would want to watch over and over and over again. And for, I didn't have the same allure. Like, those guys were 
big into wanting to play soldier and be military guys. And that was a big thing where I grew up in Pennsylvania, like military service was kind of a, a family honor tradition to a lot of the local families there. And, you know, I, it wasn't something for me, but I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to kind of disrespect it by goofing on it or playing around to that degree. And, you know, like, so I, I watched all the Vietnam movies just, you know, cause they were present and whatever, but it wasn't a thing where I'm like, I want to watch it. Cause this, you know, you see this guy get blown up when he stands on a landmine. I like that. I had friends who watched it like the way I watched horror movies because they wanted to see the gore and whatever else. And that kind of like the military stuff was not really my jam, but that was like a huge thing. I want to say like, you know, any of those movies that came out in like um, the, oh gosh, the Charlie Sheen um, platoon platoon was a huge apocalypse. Now platoon, like a lot of those movies were just so like, you know, even the adults at that time. And, you know, there was a lot of vets who would come into the store or guys who, you know, they always had their caps on or whatever it was. And you knew they were in the military and stuff. But a lot of that Top Gun was a huge thing just because of the patriotism. And so, and that's another, you know, like Rocky Four. you know, again, you wouldn't. There you go. That's another one that was a huge thing just because, hey, America, you know, like any of that. Um, Red Dawn. Red yeah. Dawn was a huge movie where we grew up, Adam, just because like all the kids wanted to be like that kind of rebel survival. Even in the 80s, that's the kind of kids like they wanted to camp out. Everyone had a Rambo knife. Every kid I palled around with had at least mo- at least three or four Rambo knives at him. <laughs> first Blood. I mean, First Blood was another movie we would watch over. And I watched yeah. it alone, but a lot of people liked it because of the Vietnam uh, connection and stuff. But yeah, I mean, Vietnam stuff, for whatever reason, was a huge kind of thing. And like military stuff in general kind of was sort of a big popular thing, especially where we grew up. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. So, you know, you've said multiple times you've led us into why you wanted to leave the store. Do you remember anything about your final days under the new ownership and leaving? There wasn't like a big blowout or anything like that. No, you nothing like this that. is no longer my career. No, you can't <laughs> my career. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, to be fair, I never looked for employment again in the video store industry. So <laughs> I think that probably, you know, I think it was more because my friends owned it, but you're no, it's, it's a lot like, um, what do they say, Adam? You know, there's, it's a lot like any relationship or job. It's usually never one thing. It's a lot of nickel and dime things that just sort of add up and then they don't make sense. And then, you know, at that point I started, I was old enough. My, my dad was, a uh, worked in a printing press company, and they needed summer help. And, you know, they were paying 20 bucks an hour at that time. So, you know, for a kid my age to go from four or five bucks an hour to that kind of money, that was a big deal. So that was one of the big drivers of like jumping ship to leave the, the video hub business. You know, I was lucky I didn't lose a limb in, the, in those jobs, having to stick your hands into those printing presses, but the money was a lot better. So that was, you know, probably the big reason I left, but no, it's a lot of little dumb things. I never had a blow up with the lady or anything like that. I was like, Hey, I'm making less money now and I'm working more hours for a person. I don't really, you know, I don't know her. I don't care about her and her kids are here all the time. So I'm, I'm I should trust in myself. I'm, I can go get a better gig than this. Yeah. I had to go escape the little spies. Exactly. <laughs> so um, now I'm curious, like, did you on those video sale days, did you like get to take any home, like old stock? Like, did you ever oh, keep mementos? Did you get posters? Did you do anything like that? Yeah. All of that stuff. I mean, any kind of promo stuff we got, you know, there was a huge room. There was a little storage room in the back. And any kind of posters we got, the owner would let me take home. So I got tons of stuff that way. Whenever they were getting rid of some older stuff, 
I scored a bunch of old Hitchcock movies when they were trying to get rid. That was a guy that I another when I started becoming a film nerd. He was a guy I started buying his movies as soon as I had my own VCR and stuff. You know, like I, I think I was a, a, a late teenager one year for Christmas. My mom and dad got us TVs and VCRs for Christmas, my sister and I. So that was like, that meant we were never coming out of our rooms because like <laughs> whatever you wanted to watch, you could watch on your own now. So, hey, good luck. that And that was part of the driver of like, hey, I, I get to watch whatever I want now. So yeah, Hitchcock, a lot of that stuff. And then old comedies too. Like, hey, when, um you know, like, oh, we have to replace our copy of Fletch or, uh, you know, like... um stripes or something something. yeah Yeah, like some of those perennial favorites that would wear out after time you know like i take the old copy home because you know i'm only going to watch it three or four more times before the thing dies and i didn't pay any money for it so yeah like it i mean for sure i had hundreds of videotapes at my parents house as recently as a few years ago like put in a dumpster and stuff just because like they were like hey you got to get this out of the house finally um but yeah like my audio cassettes and my video cassettes all had to go at the same time, Adam. So That's very rough. analog. Yeah. If only I had been in contact with you then, I would have taken a trip. Just get the <laughs> U-Haul, bring them out here. Um, so now as we close out here, uh, obviously, you know, that was uh, just a couple of years of your life, but I'm assuming you continued to rent from video stores. You continued to enjoy that throughout your life as you went on to different paths. But do you have a distinct memory of when the video rental stores started closing down in your area? Like, did you like really experience that or is it just something you had already moved past? No, we, so when I was working at wizard and I started working at wizard in 1999, there was still a blockbuster in Rockland County that was open and run. I mean, and there was probably multiple ones. We used to go to blockbuster to get DVDs. I think it may, we were probably renting DVD. Oh yeah, Adam, we would rent DVD so we could do screen caps. Oh, uh, for the magazine. Like, <laughs> like at that, like at that at that point, if we didn't have access and you couldn't get like the internet was like kind of in its nascent stage at that point, you know. So if you couldn't readily get pictures online, you could get the movie, put it through a player, and you could do a screen grab of it right there and pull it off, and you'd have like a little thumbnail thing or at least something usable you could slap into the magazine quick. Um, so I remember we would do that. And then, you know, we would run up to Blockbuster and rent the new video game system sometimes on the company credit card. Like, oh, should we buy this for the office? Let's go up to Blockbuster and we'll get the GameCube or the PS2, whatever, whatever that was at the time. You know, we would rent that, try it out, and then we'd buy it at the office. And then, oh, hey, hey, this is great. Um, so yeah, I, and then it's funny because, you know, then right around that time, maybe a few years later. Blockbuster was still around, but a couple of my friends at Wizard joined this thing called Netflix, where they were getting <laughs> they were getting DVDs directly sent to them in the mail now, you know, like that was the big thing. And so we were like, Netflix, how's this going to work? These things are going to get destroyed in the mail constantly, you know, but like, lo and behold. But yeah, that, it's funny how all of those things sort of kind of existed in the same spectrum, like you don't realize it. But yeah, like Blockbuster, Netflix, all of that stuff was kind of winding down and winding up at the same time you could see it happening and it's really weird like i just read recently what there's a movie coming on netflix about the last blockbuster yep so you know like how it's full circle how meta can you get about that kind of stuff you know it's crazy yeah that is wild so as we close out just last question when you think about your time in a video rental store working as a customer just in general 
What would you say is your favorite part of the experience or is there a distinct memory that you always go back to? I just think, you know, talking about starting as a, like an early interest in movies and then watching them over and over and then studying them. And like the idea that you actually become a film snob, like I've said this many times about myself now. Yeah, I just, I think going to the video stores, that was my alternative. You know, like I didn't have, we like I said, I did not have cable television or any kind of streaming service where my parents live in the Poconos until like in the mid 2000s, where I was long gone at that point. The first year I was at Wizard Magazine in 1999, before I could afford cable or anything, my local library, you know, I was by, I was borrowing DVDs. That was keeping me alive and sane for months on end until I had paychecks coming in so I could get a cable hookup. But having that access and being able to walk into a store, I'd go in with 10 bucks and I'd rent move, I'd two movies a night for a whole week, you know, especially at college. Forget about it. Like, I, I think we had... There must have been, I think there was even like a video store service thing on the campus where we were at Delaware and you'd walk in, do the thing and you rent the movies, but just being able to go and do that and, and being able to track down those movies, like, you know, all of a sudden I'm into, I'm into a Francois Truffaut phase because I read his book about with Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. Like, Hey, there was video stores that had his movies on cassette or, or DVD or whatever it was. And so like, I just think we're super lucky that Hey, God bless America, man. You know, like where can you go to be able to find all this content and be able to watch it? It's awesome. You know, like that the fact that there were movie stores, like this generation now will laugh about that. But I feel like we were lucky to be able to, it gave us something to do and gave us something to bond over and talk about, you know, like sharing movies experiences, like that kind of tells you what tribe you're in, right, Adam? Like yeah. you kind of know what a person's like based on the movies they talk about or the movies like that they really kind of gravitate towards. I think that says a little bit about you as a person, so. Absolutely. Well, that is so cool. And yeah, I still think that is the most unique perspective I've ever heard, which is we didn't have cable. So the <laughs> only way to get movies was at the video store. I have not heard that in all no. the time we've been doing this show. That's it. <laughs> Like, hey, I joke about it all the time. That's Pennsylvania for you. That's what it's, it's still 1957 there where my mom and dad live. So, you know, I, that, God bless them. But yeah, <laughs> that's what it's like now. So. All right. Well, great. Thanks so much, Andy. This is a really fun chat. It was, Adam. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you having me on. I love your show. I look forward to checking this out some more and take care. Thanks for listening and subscribing to Rental Return. Check today's show notes to connect with our featured video hero. Also follow at TRN Social on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for more on Season 3 and to leave feedback. If you're a former video store employee and want to chronicle your story for an upcoming season of Rental Return, connect with host Adam on Twitter at HojuKoolander or send him an email at HojuKoolander at gmail.com. Links also in today's show notes. If you'd like to become a VIP of the Retro Network and show your support for Rental Return and other network shows, visit patreon.com forward slash the Retro Network. Your VIP status gets your name in the show notes, access to the VIP lounge chat on Slack, and exclusive content. Join us next time for more Tales from the Video Store on Rental Return. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.